last year. The winner of the Tour de France was um, Egan Bernal. We know that. But the last French winner of the Tour de France was Bernard Hinault in 1985. But in 2019, the Tour saw a resurgence of the French, and they had expectations from Roman Bardet to Thibaut Pinot. But eventually, the true hope and the drama came from Julien Alaphilippe. While Bardet had a disappointing 15th, Pinot bowed out on stage 19, and Julien Alaphilippe ended up in fifth place. He was the yellow jersey holder up through that wacky stage 19 with the hailstorm in the rain, and it ended up with the top five. Every year, the ASO, they design a tour route that best helped their countrymen, that's my, my opinion at least, and a route to deny the true upper crust of the cycling world, such as let's make it Lance-proof, let's make it Sky-proof, let's make it Ineos-proof. This year, however, Chris Froome and Geraint Thomas, they did the work the ASO couldn't do, and they've eliminated themselves due to their fitness for their tour team. Also, ASO has given us a true tour devoid of any significant time trials. They've set up what could be drama on stage 20, at least the real last test, for Thibaut Pinot's in his hometown. Welcome, everybody, to the 2020 Tour de France preview show, Route Only. And on today's show, we're welcoming a Francophile, a former expat, recently recertified as American citizen, <laughs> Jonathan Scriven. Jonathan, welcome. And, and please take umbrage to anything I just said there about the no. uh, Tour de France as it is. And no, welcome. No, you, no, you actually stole my open. That, that's it. No, it's exactly right. That's the, when I first look at the, the, the route here. One of the first things I said to myself was, boy, they're trying to set this up for a French win, no doubt. Which is, uh, we do see that often. And um, yep. I, you're like, while, while this is going here, you and I, I'm going to just play on the side here. Um, the Tour de France, their flyover, and you can take a look at this, but we'll go through, while, while this is playing, I'm just going to yep. describe a little bit about the, the tour this year. And then you and I, we're going to go through stage by stage. We're going to talk about it. You're going to give the correct pronunciations for each of these towns, give a little knowledge of them and the roads that you know so well out there. And then, um, and we'll also talk a little bit about just kind of what is happening with the, the tour and COVID in general. Um, okay, so let's just do a little, as we said, Egan Bernal, he's the team Ineos. He's the first Colombian to win. He's the starting, cha uh, defending champ. We started prologue, uh, the prologue in Nice this year. We're probably going to look at your old town as it's uh, the video is going here. This is quite yeah, the animation. Yeah, it's already bringing back memories. This is exactly where I've been living for the last 13 years. So right. I'm super excited about the Grand Depart. Right. So uh, as we're looking out here, um, we're going to see climbing is going to start right away in stage two, I believe. And we'll, we'll go into depth on that. So you have okay. that as a difference. I, to me, it brings back a reminiscence of the 2013 Vuelta where they had climbing right away. It eliminates a lot of the chaff and might actually help the tour um, in a sense where you get some of the guys that think they're going to be potential uh, winners, but they're not. Um, so we're going to have that. The tour then goes over into the Pyrenees. They don't have a mountain top finish in the Pyrenees. There's no time trials except for stage 20. They come back to the Alps and they go up a little bit. That massive central area, I think you can talk, I'm gonna about, talk about that. Yep. Yep. Uh, it's always kind of a, a rolling and they say heavy roads there. We'll ask about why that is the case. And then, like I yep. said, Finishing up at the Planche de Belfi. I think they're having gravel. I don't know if it's on that stage or some, but a time trial in Thibaut Pino's hometown. I think he also yep. owns goats. So he's he's a true mountain goat in that sense. Yep. Um, so uh, have you looked at this uh, flyover at all? And 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 how does this feel? I've, with this? I've seen it. I've seen it only very quickly, but it's very. So, so let me give you the quick background. One of the reasons why I'm super excited personally about this tour is because a lot of it is in areas where I've been living. Um, riding, and I say that as a total, total amateur. Uh, but also, <laughs> but also because because of the sports activities of my youngest kid who played ice hockey, we uh, traveled a lot in that sort of eastern area. So I've traveled a lot up through those Alps areas and the high countries, um, sort of near Geneva. And so there's a lot of stages where even if I haven't ridden them on my bike, I've driven over them many, many, many times. I've stayed in the villages where they're staying just because of other activities. So I'm super excited about it. And there's a couple other things too. I mean, you, you alluded to a couple things about, about the tour. I think as I looked at it, I noticed, of course, you know, the lack of the TT, except for the last right. one, right. which ends with this, you know, Planche de Belfi. But it's kind of exciting for me as someone who has lived in France, you know, the Alps and the Pyrenees always get the, the highlights, but this year, the Massif Central and the Jura get a, a lot of play. Uh, in fact, I was trying to calculate right. where, um, if this, if the tour had been held at the original time, I was trying to calculate what stage would have been on the 14th of July, which Bastille. is Bastille Day. Yeah. That's always like this 
big epic stage. And if I'm calculating correctly, that's a stage that would have been in the either the Massif Central or the Jura this year. And that's unusual. It's very typical to be that big sort of Alp stage or that big Pyrenees stage. So that's kind of interesting just for me as someone who, who understands that the people in those areas often feel like, hey, you know, we've got mountains too. We've got skiing too. We've got cycling too. So that's a really cool thing. And even the Vosges Mountains, you know, with the with the Planche de Belfi, right. they play this huge role. So I, that's kind of exciting and intriguing to me. It's the Jura, right? Or however you pronounce the, that. that. The Jura, yeah. That's a mountain range that's uh, so, around the Massey Central. Is that correct? And it's so pretty me, nasty. So I'll give you the, yeah, I'll give you, I'll give you the quick, quick geography. So everyone knows the Alps, okay? are sort of like, if you can picture Geneva, it kind of jets into the eastern part of France. The Alps are kind of to the south and east of that. And the Jura is just on the other side of that. So they're very close. In fact, from the Jura, you can see Mont Blanc very easily. Um, and the Massif Central is the one that most people don't really even recognize as being this fairly impressive mountain stage. And I'll talk about, about why those are unique in just a second, because I've spent a little time there, too, doing some um, summer activities and things. Okay. And, and, and I'll start. Well, maybe we can start, but I, well, I'll let you go ahead. But uh, there's well, no, a couple of things I'll say about the Nice stage. Too. Let's take a look. at Here's, here's the map. I, I guess you right. can see it. So maybe does that help explain um, kind of where we're looking at? So let's, let's do a discussion here. Um, uh, we can start right with right, right what's going on in Nice. I mean, you you lived there okay. for a long time. Sure. Um, well, finish that off. If there was anything else, because I do want to say a few things here. Um, like sure. I said, one one time trial. Uh, uh, it's mostly a climbing time trial, so we've got that interesting point. Um, right. It's got you know two rest days. We're, we're looking at the normal stuff here. Uh, Twenty one yep. stages, three hundred three thousand four hundred seventy kilometers, seven mountain sta uh, stages, stages, twenty nine categorized climbs. Uh, some maybe four pure sprinting days that I can see. They said there's some gravel in there. I haven't seen which stage is actually doing that. The, the interesting part too is also the Pyrenees. There's no mountaintop finish there. Yeah. And then, like we said, uh, the Thibaut Pinot. Um, hey, we're yeah. finishing your hometown. Start with, yeah. um, let's go and just start right, right away with uh, what's going on there in Nice. And first okay. of all, your involvement with that that town in general. And then um, how do you? Uh, why are you not going to be there for the tour? <laughs> Okay. <laughs> so a couple, a couple things. So let me start with sort of the Tour de France side. And I, this is the sort of poetic side of things. I, I love the, the Grand Depart in Nice for a couple of reasons. Um, I know it's been in the, in the process for a long time, but if you think about the two most famous boulevards in France, it's obviously the Champs-Élysées in Paris right. and, and, and the Promenade des Anglais in Nice. And so I, I'm really intrigued by the fact that this year the race starts on the Promenade des, An the, the Promenade des Anglais, which which is this unbelievably beautiful uh, 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 road right along the coast. Uh, it's actually built by, by English people. You know, the history of it is, sorry, I'm a history teacher, so I, I like the history of it. It was built by English um, sort of aristocrat class people who used to come down to Nice all the time for holidays. And back in about 1820 or so, there was this really horrible harvest. And a lot of the French came to, to Nice looking for work and, and the English thought they were beggars and poor. So they said, well, what if we built this walkway along the, 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 the water that would separate us from all the other people? And now, of course, it's this iconic area. It was very popular after World War I and World War II. And that's where the, the stage is going to start um, on the first day and finish on the first day. It's where it's going to start on the second day and finish on the second day. But in addition to that, it's going to do circuits both days. Now, maybe I'm getting too much into the poetry here. But uh -huh. when you consider that this is also the place where the attacks uh, right. in Nice took place four years ago, four trips, a lot, I don't know. Maybe it's, uh, maybe it's me reading too much into it. Wait, but in are the way, French this, into this, numerology? Is that a thing? A little bit. But what okay. the French are into is sticking their middle finger up at things. Okay. And this is a way to sort of stick a middle finger up at terrorists and in general and say, you know what? You know, we're going to do this anyway. And so I don't know if there's that symbolism. I'm not reading that. This is just my own sense as someone who's sort of from that area. But I love that. So hey, the, um, the symbolism goes deeper because uh, remember that was the year Froome ran up Von Two. Yeah, his bike was cracked. He was cracked. He is still cracked. Cra oh, <laughs> I, I'm, try, well I'm trying something here, but thank you. And I, yeah, it was probably my shirt that made you think of right. that, right? This is my moment. No, I just I just always remembered that that happened. And that there was, um, it was right around the same time that Von was happening was when the attacks Correct. were. And were they going to actually make it to Nice yep. and was, you know, going through there and was that going to be an issue? So anyway, that's, that's yeah. part of it. 
and you know, for those of you, you know, so um, I actually went to the team time trial. I think it was in 2013, which was in Nice. And if if anyone watched that, you'll notice that even the Promenade des Anglais looks a lot different because of that terrorist attack. There's much more um, non-car areas. Mm. There are now huge, and they're actually beautiful uh, palm trees that sort of serve as barriers. Because if you remember, the car went from the road, jumped onto the walk area, and that's where he hit a bunch of people. So now it's not really possible to do that because of a variety of, of uh, things put in place like palm trees. So it will even look a little bit different uh, this year than it did in 2013, which I think is the last time it was in Nice. Such a, look, talking to you, there's always so many little sidebars that we could take. Yeah. But one of the interesting points you, you made me think of there is uh, the security that you always worry about for the tour, right? And I don't know, with COVID, I almost think that that's going to be really minimized, right? Because you're going to, it's with less yeah. people, it's going to be more obvious something happens and it's probably easier to control because I assume the crowds yeah. aren't going to be the, the norm. Anyway, so you, why don't you pronounce the, the names for us for the st stage one uh, and two? I would uh, see what it says here. I, nice. Stage one and two are easy. It's just niece, niece, right? Right, right. That's tough, tough okay, going. so 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 let me, let me just say something about the first two stages. If you watch, they're, they're, in, they're, they're, they're right around Nice, obviously. This is, um, this is training ground for a lot of pro cyclists. They know these roads like the back of their hands. Guys who are who are based in Nice, you know, over the last few years, people like Ian Boswell and Larry Warbass and Joe Dabrowski, they're based in Nice. TJ Van Garderen, they, they ride these roads all the time. And that first stage, even though it's not a mountain stage, don't don't underestimate, there's some, there's some hills. I mean, the, the, the mountains come right down to the sea. And, you know, I was, I was explaining this to, to somebody else the other day, you know, this is not the tour where you start with five days in Brittany. Yeah. Yeah. Just kind of, no. this is not that tour at all. I mean, there are, there are significant climbs on the first day, although I still think it'll be a sprint finish. So I believe it's two 50 kilometer loops and then another 70 kilometer loop. The second day though is, is serious mountains already. As we go into what's called the, the Haute Pays, the high country behind Nice. And it's this uh, natural park area called the Mercantour. It's very beautiful, very wooded, um, pretty good roads. But my favorite part of, of this is the Col de Turini, which is almost never in the tour. Cat one um, climb, they, they have it here. Yeah, cat one climb. It's hardly ever in the tour. In fact, I don't think it's been in the tour for at least 30 years or so, but it was in the Perinice last year. And, you know, if, if you have in your head the idea of Alpe d'Huez being these switchbacks, this is that. Okay, it's not as high, but the, it is a stunning, stunning view. I've actually done that one myself. Uh, it took me a long time. <laughs> but but it, is, it is absolutely gorgeous. The, the, the hairpins are iconic. If you just go to Google Earth and look at it, you'll, you'll see, or just, just Google what it looks like. It's, it's pretty spectacular. And then from there, you, you look, you plunge down into Nice for about 50 kilometers. Speeds will be crazy. And then you get to finish off the second stage. I think it's the second stage. I have my notes here to make sure you, to finish off the second stage, you get the very familiar Coldez, which is familiar because every other year or so it's the finishing stage for Perry Nice. So again, these these roads are super super familiar for these and, riders, and I think we have a photo. Of, there you there go. you go. Well done. So that is, uh, I believe that's T.J. Van Garder, and now this is a while ago. Now this was at Perry Nice, and that's me and my kids there. Um, and that is the very beginning. That must be, I'd say, 200 meters into uh, the 9.4, I want to say, kilometer Coldez climb, and it's a, uh, it's you know, it's a, it's a serious climb. It'll separate. It'll separate some people, but I think um, stage one will end in a sprint, but I don't think stage two will. Okay. Yeah. Stage two, uh, we'll go back to here. So, I mean, as you mentioned, there's two cat ones yeah. on there um, and a cat two, and then you've got the finish and, and oh, that is a long descent coming down into there. Uh, it's a long descent. I mean, it is just, I think it's about 50 kilometers and it's serious descent. a lot of it is technical as well. Right. So that I, I, I just mentioned the Vuelta and because to me, that was kind of the last big um, grand tour state. Well, you, you always get them kind of in the, in the Giro as well, but that one was yeah. significant. The 13 one, partly because uh, Chris Horner American won it, but they had yeah. such intense climbing on stage four that it blew all these guys out right. and you had separation 
uh, already 40 seconds to a bunch of guys, you know, the top 10 were, were all split apart. And I think, and I remember Horner saying, cause he's a pretty wise tactician saying, Hey, this was really good because it took some riders out. Now they're not fighting for the front when they still think they have a chance. And you always have that right. Top 15 stages sure. guys are fighting like crazy to be on the front with their team and they may not, you know, and then as soon as the hard day comes, they're gone and then, okay, they don't worry about it. And it just alleviates a lot of stress for these teams being up front all the time. Um, yeah. but you're going to have, you know, sprinters that, uh, may not have a chance for this. I mean, look at the stage one, there's enough there that could be, you know, a Sagan and, and Wout type of thing rather than, well, sure. like, you know, the big, just pure sprinter guys. So, okay. So two days yeah. in Nice, thir day three starts in Nice. So these guys at least will, as far as transports go, it's going to be a, an easier thing. And, you know, right. maybe it'll be better situation for this COVID bubble that they have going on. Did you sure. hear about the, the new protocol that they're having, um, with the tour and a no. testing positive. So no, just, I didn't, they just came out with this. I think it was Friday and on the okay. show that we had, we, we talked about it. Um, so at the 21st and if uh, a team, they're going to have the teams in bubbles. So they have, you know, the NBA and stuff, they're kind of doing this as right. well, but uh, the team is all isolated from everybody else. But if two people become positive uh, of COVID during the tour and that's staff or riders, they're going to eject the whole team. So, right. Okay, that, so. That, and and <laughs> teams are objecting to this. And then there was an article on cycling news today. There's been maybe four or five um, pro cyclists since, you know, cycling's come back that have tested positive, retested and been tested yes, negative. I read that. I read that today, right. the false positives, and that's right. a problem. Right. So, the, and, and then as my, yeah. my buddy, uh, Chris, that does a show with us, he's like, Hey, if Pino gets close to the, the lead, who's doing this testing, you know, you know <laughs> maybe, <laughs> Hey, maybe just have a false positive. Those guys are gone. That's right. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. It was, it was, oh, you can't come back, you know? So, yeah, 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 yeah. So maybe that'll yes, be easier for them. all being in one spot. Fun. Yeah, I, I hope so. And so, you know, it's like I said, it's, it's, it's essentially three full days there. Um, and that takes us to three. stage. Yeah. So stage three is actually, so, uh, I don't want to say my favorite, but personally, cause this is the one that is, um, sort of brings together a lot of things that are interesting for me. And I think cyclists will like it too. So first of all, it goes through sort of where I used to live. Exactly. I live just West of Nice. This goes just West of Nice goes right by my house up through, um, uh, the mountains above a place called Grasse. Uh, grass is the sort of perfume capital, but but more importantly, it's a perfume capital of the uh, of, of France. Um, I think Chanel Number no. Five was created there, or something like that. But more more, more than that, historically, this is a very important route. This is the cyclists will be following for most of the day something called the Route Napoleon, which is the route that Napoleon took when he came back from Elba, eighteen fifteen. And he wanted to sort of reestablish himself, and he he feared that all the traditional routes, sort of along the rivers would be blocked. So he took like the most mountainous, treacherous route up through the mountains and it succeeded. But right now this, uh, this drive called the Rue Napoleon is one of the most beautiful drives you can imagine. Lots of switchbacks, not, um, not huge climbs by pro standards. Okay. When I go out and ride these rides, that's like my big climbing day because for me, they're enormous, but you know, there's, there, there's some serious Hills and then it sort of levels out. And it ends in a town that I've, I've spent a night in many times called Sisteron. I think it's been in the tour before, but it's a beautiful, beautiful citadel, mm. you know, right along the river just before you get to the Alps. And um, that stage, even though on a map, it kind of looks like it's rolling, um, you know, for pros, it's not going to be a hard deal. I'm assuming this will be a sprint finish, but sort of historically uh, in terms of beauty and in terms of me personally, this I'm super looking forward to watching this stage. Yeah. So there's a, there's a bit of climate on the way out. And I, I look, the, you look at the profiles and you're always, sometimes you roll your eyes like, geez, I don't know how they do these, yeah. but you know, it's, it's not, maybe not the word. And there's a decent amount. I mean, once again, it could be, you know, um, a roller type that, I mean, a, a you know, Sagan that gets away. And so you can spit out some of these, uh, there's so I, as I'm looking at your and screen, what's, there, what's the kind bottom, of that terrain is the though? Bottom one or the, is it the it's, bottom or the top one? It's the top one stage three up to okay, yeah. So the thing is you start at sea level and then you very quickly get up to, you know, some pretty big Looks climbs. like almost like 11, 1200 meters. Well, like you get up to like Saint-Vallier and the Col de Pion, which I used to ride a lot on my, on my days. That's it, it, within the first third, I think that those are the first climbs. Right. You know, when you're starting at sea level, you know, th those are, those are, those are pretty serious. 
Yeah, yeah definitely. And then there's a cat. No three. And look, none of these are yeah. over 200 kilometers. So um, sometimes when right. you get the shorter stages and a little pitchy stuff, it gets uh, pretty exciting. Okay. Yeah. So Cisteron and then uh, stage four. Okay. Stage four, again, they stay in Cisteron and they go up to, um, we start to get into the the first of the sort of ski villages. So th this first ski village, um, which I've been to a few times because my, as I said, my son plays hockey, it's called Orsier. And it is uh, beautiful. And I just want to say the roads are tiny. Okay. <laughs> They're just tiny roads. Now it won't matter because I believe if I'm looking at your chart, I think they finished there. So there's not a huge um, descent. And in fact, I believe they go even higher if I'm looking at my own notes here to, to a place called Orsier Merlet, which is just basically at the top of that ski station. Right. That I don't like think this is good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, there it is. I don't think this is a stage that's going to sort of separate people. This is where I see, you know, probably somebody who may not win the tour, maybe jumping out and trying to get a stage win, a climb or something like that. It's, it's fairly standard. This is at the foot of the Alps. So if you're, if you're looking at a map of France and as you go north from sort of Nice and Marseille, you get into the Alps, uh, about the time you get to Gap, which is I know where we're going next, and these hills are right at the beginning of that, but it's it's still um, it's still rolling, that's for sure. Right. So uh, let me let me try to help out here with this situation. Sorry, folks. Okay. So here's the here's the the, the route map again. So where are right. we at on this? So we're going actually from Nice on the on the coast there, going yep. uh, a little west it's and just, then straight up, kind of and like you said, back into kind of the Alps. Right at the foothills. Yeah. I mean, you, you, you look at a town like Gap and it's a, it's a ski town. Um, it's near places like Briançon, which was in the tour, I think two or three years ago. It's very often there. So this is not the deep, deep Alps, but it's right at the foothills. And, and there's some, there's some good climbing there for sure. Okay. So stage five. Uh, let's see gap. So this is one where I don't, have a lot of personal knowledge. This is basically a uh, sort of a getting out of the mountains kind right. of stage. Uh, do you know, uh, what do you know about Gap? And for because okay. I, I, I know my, Gap. My, my take on Gap from the tour is it yep. always feels like a transition stage. So it must yes, be kind of a, that flat area, and they're either coming to it or leaving it, kind okay. of in that transition area. Yeah, I'll talk about that because I, I know more about the city than this particular Perfect. stage. So so Gap is literally a gap in a couple of big mountains. And so it is relatively flat when you get to uh, the town itself, but it is like a bowl surrounded by mountains. So to get out and to get in, you've either got to find the, the one or two uh, gaps that go through the mountains or you're going up and over. So it very much is often a transition either into the Alps or out of the Alps. And in this case, it's, it's kind of neither because we're not really in the Alps yet. Right. So it's a sort of odd place for gap to be um, if I look at past tours, I think Gap is usually a little later in the tour when they're more in the deep Alps. But in this case, right. it serves as a perfect transition point. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it would have to be right. Cause they'd usually come through the Alps, yeah. hit it or exactly. all the way through the Pyrenees. So you're looking at, you know, like stage 10 or, you know, 14 or something, I guess, or seven. Right. I don't know. So I get, uh, so what about the finish there? Prevost? Or how do you pronounce I don't that? know. I, no, I don't know anything about Privas, I'm afraid. I mean, I know that it should be something where the sprinters can have 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 their time. Um, but I've not been to Privas personally. Don't have much to say about Privas in terms of my own personal knowledge. Right. And you're, you're right. It should be a sprinter day there. It looks like it's all downhill mostly. Yeah, um, it's pretty much. Yeah. Stage six. Six is, a, is one of those typical for, for this year kind of stages where flat, 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 and then boom, a big hill at the, at, at the top. Um, sort of a, uh, again, sort of this traverse from the eastern part of France to the western part of France. What I most, when I saw this um, particular stage, the first thing that came into my mind based on the little amount of time I've been to that particular region is how hot it is. Mm. And that is what makes this tour different. And that's something I was going to talk about. I was going to ask you. Gonna Go see, ahead. Yeah, you're not going to see what is often huge heat issues in these sort of south central parts of France because we're in September. Right. Um, in fact, by the time we get to the Alps in sort of mid to late September, we might be dealing with snow. <laughs> very cold temperatures right. or perhaps even snow. So that's another thing that's quite different about this tour. This is a perfect stage for one of those hot heaters where it's like, you know, 95 degrees and it's just not going to be that way this time. So it should be a, a, a stage where teams can, Decide if they want to put someone up, maybe an escape. I don't know. Uh, 
total side note about on the weather because that yeah. was a that was a, my one of my first questions. Yeah. Uh, you know how this is going to play out on all these areas. Um, maybe the importance of the tour, which we obviously know, they get first billing. And one of the biggest races that may be impacted is the Giro. I mean, Giro kind of comes into the, the race season every year, struggling against uh, snow and everything. <laughs> Maybe they're going to yep. struggle with it going out. So, Listen, I, I can tell you that um, from the school race to teach, we used to have a view of the, of the sort of the low Alps, okay? Not the deep Alps, but, you know, this is the stuff behind Mies, right? There's snow there by mid-September mm. very often. So, you know, if you're getting into the high, high Alps by mid-September, it's very likely on some of those big coals that you're going to have weather that could be, could be problematic. Most of the time it's not in September, but there could be. So you say stage six, you don't necessarily think it's, or maybe you didn't say that. It looks like it's got a kick at the end. Um, kick at the I, end. I could see it being a breakaway type of, of exactly thing. Exactly right. Um, yeah, not, uh, who knows? It's once again, it's under uh, 200K. Uh, stage seven. Right. Um, you know, again, it's that same sort of transition. What's unique about this stage is it goes from Milau, which is a famous, famous viaduct. I don't know if you've seen the Milau Bridge, but if your listeners or watchers Google that, it is a absolutely spectacular feat of uh, engineering. And so, again, this is sort of a kind of a rolling stage that ends going, you know, quickly. Um, into a town called Lavaux, and it's you know, I don't again, I don't know these areas. I've been to Milau before only to cross over that bridge. And I don't know actually if the tour is crossing the bridge or if they're just using it as a backdrop because winds on that bridge can be, ab I mean, devastating, like like blow you over devastating. Yeah, so that, I'm not sure if they're actually using it or if they're using it just as a backdrop. We'll have to see, I don't I, know. I think I've seen that because, you know, the tour, one thing they love to do is to show the landscape and everything. Oh, yeah. And then, you know, the announcers are, they have all the info and they've talked about that, so. Um, we'll keep yeah. an eye out for that. that. These are the kind of things that we're, we're looking for from you, by the way. So, yeah. so well done. <laughs> uh, stage eight. Uh, so, uh, Pyrenees, um, I guess right. if I have this right. Yes. yes. It's from Casares to Ludonvier. Um, so obviously the two big climb, well, the big climb that everyone probably knows is the Porte de Ballet. Right. Um, and this is one, I think it was, I, I think I have this, right. I was going to ask you, I didn't get a chance to look it up. I think this is where Contador attacked Andy Schleck when Schleck broke his uh, chain. When was that? 11, uh, 12? Yeah, 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 chain gate. Something like that. You're right. Chain gate. Uh, anyway, so people will be familiar with that. Um, the next uh, call also, which is the Péressourde, is um, one of these typical sort of um, high-climbing Pyrenees uh, uh, calls. And I... I, I, you know, first day in the Pyrenees, you know, is this a, is this a, a point where somebody makes a, a real move? One of the leaders, um, it's the first sort of real big mountain stage after the first couple, uh, uh, first couple stages in Nice. So this could be a, you know, one of those moving day, uh, kinds of stages. It, you're right. It was, it was, that's exact. The port did by okay. whatever port you say. Yeah. Yep. Um, and it, uh, it was 2010. Good call on, on close to being in there. Uh, yeah. Okay, the Paris, the Paris is always a difficult climb. So, uh, right. what you're seeing here though is, uh, I think they've done this too over the Paris down into uh, Loudonville, uh, Loudonville or please, you, you're the expert on yeah. that. Loudonville. Uh, yeah. Okay, sure that that too, uh, and and it's always interesting when you have these uh, over the top descents and then to right. a, a flat finish there uh, because you're getting so it's it's a chance for you know like Bardet's off the front he may be you know may get closed down as an example he's not going to solo out from like two or three riders that, that can catch him so it's uh, those are those are fun um, good good call on the on the the chain gate stuff there as well yeah, stage I, I nine. Just, I I just I had this thing in my head. I was like, I think that was the ballet. I think that was the ballet. Right. Okay. Um, let's see. Where are we here? Poe. So this is, again, sort of yeah, one of these, you know, Poe. We all know Poe. I think right. that's been a, a stage, a rest stage more than any other uh, stage and all. Um, so this region. So I've spent a little bit of time in the Pyrenees on the sort of eastern side. And this is, I think, going more to the western side. So I haven't driven or ridden on these roads at all myself but you have the sort of big climbs right in the middle. And that's an interesting way to do it um, because it leaves a lot of time for either catching up or for uh, groups to sort of uh, catch a breakaway rider or whatever that may be. But, um, you know, as you said earlier, the Pyrenees, I would say this year are a little bit underwhelming. Right. Um, and like I said, that might be by design to give some, give some, 
you know, some highlights to sort of these other mountain ranges, but it's just interesting that there's not that, at least, at least from my perspective, that just like iconic day in the Pyrenees, but that's just the way it is. Right. I mean, because if you look at iconic uh, Pyrenean climbs, how to calm and, and some of these others, you've got, I mean, the, you've got, uh, we just said the Parasord and then the Col de Mary yeah. Blanc. I mean, those are only real yeah. two big names that come out from those right. two climbs. So anyway, uh, what do you know right. about uh, how to say it? What is, what is the, the finishing? Oh, which, uh, which one? Um, stage nine. What, how do you pronounce that? That stage, oh, stage nine from Po to Laurent. Okay. Yes. Anything, anything significant about either one of those uh, towns, cities? No, villages? not, no, no. They'll love to hear that. Um, I wish, yeah, I, I wish I had been to every single one of these towns. And by the way, my disclaimer, as I said to you before, is even the French don't know how, how to pronounce a lot of French towns. So, <laughs> I mean, they make things up sometimes. Gotcha. But I do know that it's Pau to Laurent. Okay. So uh, that's stage nine. Then we have a rest day out there. And then right. we go to stage 10, which uh, right. looks like uh, unintelligible. Uh, you can't, can't pronounce that. What is? Yes, what are they doing with these words? Yeah, the Ile d'Oléron. So, so the next three stages are all stages where I haven't spent a lot of time. Okay, but this is um, to give you sort of the lay of the land. This is that typical Western. It's 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 in the Burg uh, in the Bordeaux region. It's very very flat. Right. Okay? Well, look at the stage very profile flat. there. Okay, I'm look. I see it now. Again. There's two things that 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 stick out to me if it's if this is in July. One is heat, okay, which I don't think we're gonna get, and the second is wind. Um, and so you have sort of three stages in a row where those are the main features. I mm -hmm. think you go into a place called Poitiers, and there are some rolling hills in Poitiers. I've been I've been to Poitiers, but you're talking about essentially three days where um, I don't know if it's sort of like catch your breath, or if it's um, breakaways, or what have you. But but uh, they should be relatively uneventful. You can see up there in the west where, where we are now in the. Yeah, that's quite the transfer that they took. It's quite the transfer. You fly right over Bordeaux and get into in, into the west area. And Poitiers um, is sort of the heart of that uh, of that area. When you get a little bit towards the uh, the Ile de Oloron, that's near uh, a place called. Um, Oh, I've been there. I forget what it's so called. That's called. This starts on like uh, some remember. on some like uh, island or or peninsula, yes. right? That they go out. Correct. There. Yes, uh, um, La Rochelle. It's near okay. La Rochelle, and uh, yeah. So I think it comes across. You 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 recall in some of these stages in the tour where there are bits of the road that are only good during low tides. Right, right. If you remember those, so I'm not sure if this is one of those, but this might be one of those areas where they literally have to go at a certain time, otherwise it, the water would come up over. Well, I'm trying to remember the name, but that was the the seminal issue uh, with Lance and, and uh, Jonathan yes. Botters talked yeah. about it. Um, but that was more up north, and that was not um, this one, at least. But yes, that happens a lot near Mont Saint Michel as well, um, in the in the Normandy um, and Brittany areas as well. But there, uh, this might be one of those areas. I'm not 100 percent sure on that though. <clears throat> okay, so we did stage 10 and we did stage 11, yeah, basically. 10, 10, 11, and 12, uh, you know, I, I don't have a whole lot to say because I haven't spent a lot of time there other than to say they should be sort of relatively sort of uneventful, which is what you have in the tour. There's the time for the sprinters, the time for breakaways and things like, of course. like that before we get into the uh, Massif Central. Right, and so um, stage 12, pronounce those two, and then um, is there anything significant or insignificant about either one of those no so so chauvigny is the name of where that begins and it ends in a place called sarin okay a, a little climby there but uh once again uh, yeah, this is more of the hill. yeah 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 uh okay stage 13 okay so now we get into what i what i what is interesting to me uh and that is this um sort of a couple of days where the massif central plays an important role so the massif central is this region right as it suggests in its name in the center of France that basically most people don't know includes high mountain peaks. There are ski resorts there. There are, you know, lots of things. But what's interesting is uh, how these came about. So the region where the tour is going to go through is a, is a region called the Puy de Dome. And if you look at the name of the finishing town on stage 13, it's called the Puy Marie. And in French, a Puy, <clears throat> P-U-Y, is essentially a hill that has been created or a mountain that has been created due to an extinct volcano. So when you see the word Puy, you're talking about volcanic. Gotcha. So the, so the Puy de Dome is um, the region where we are, and that's the largest peak in this Massif Central. And so, and you can sort of see it on the, on the stage here, 
what's unique sort of about the the Massif Central is lots of these little peaks that go up and down like like volcanic activity. And so we see that here on the first stage and it ends on the uh, Puy-Marie, which is not, um, if you look at it carefully, not high in terms of elevation, but boy, does it pitch up at the end. I think at the end, it's it's well into double digits for the last couple of kilometers. And so that's interesting. And I think that could be a separator. I, or I could, see, I could see attacks coming on, on, on this stage for sure. Well, yeah, especially with a day that's so up and down. And, right. and, then, and you know, I've heard Lance and other people talk about the road surface. And it might be different later on in the year, but the road surface is such that they just it feels slow. So oh, I don't know that's if that's interesting. Yeah, so they're like, it's just a struggle. And it might just be the, the, the fact that you're just constantly up and down, bad road, and yeah. that it just feels like a slog. And so something yeah, and like heat, this. With and it, again, the heat, the heat right. may not be the same factor that it normally is. Uh, then that takes us to to, to stage fourteen, which kind of gets us out of the the Massif Central into Lyon. But again, going from Clermont, I've, I've done that drive from Clermont-Ferrand to Lyon, and it's um, it, it's you know there's a lot of these little hills that you don't really notice so much unless you're on a bike, and you can see there's a couple of climbs right there in the middle. But um, lots of tricky little climbs in the beginning of that stage, and then it descends right into Lyon, and we're all familiar with Lyon. It's a beautiful, beautiful city. All right, <laughs> so now we're getting uh, much closer to the east side, and yes. uh, back, once again, getting close to those mountains. Yeah, so, so if we look at stage 15, this is from Lyon to the Grand, Grand Colombier. Now, the Colombier's been in this many times, right. but here we are now taking a look at a, at a fairly impressive mountain stage that is in the Jura. Mm. region and what's very cool about this as i was looking at it is so the grand colombier is this climb that you can ascend ascend from a lot of different angles and the tour decided we're going to do them all so oh. this stage is actually um an ascent up the same climb three different ways and that's a very cool way to do it so the grand colombier will be the end in the last 70 kilometers or so of this of this stage is essentially climbing the same peak three times so that's kind of cool. So each one will be slightly different. Of course, you can see there the pitch is different um, depending on what which side you go up. But that's a sort of an interesting tactic to use. If you look at the map, it's just a jumble there because they're just going around in circles as they climb up that uh, Colombier three times. A, a, a great insight because when you just look at the profile, you don't get that. Um, Correct. You can't you can't and, see that on the profile. And but, it doesn't. But, it's but, not like the same name each time either. So no. Correct. Because each time you go, it's a slightly different peak. So, and that's very typical, even something like Mont Ventoux, I'm wearing the shirt, there's there's three different ways to climb that. And each way is very, very different. I mean, it's uh, night and day in some ways. So that's the same with the Colombier. 8.1% uh, for the first time up, 8.7% for the second, 11.5 kilometers and then 6.9. And then the last one is, uh, well, it's a, it's a slog of 8.3 yeah. and 9.6 for the last 3.4. Yeah. Um, so a total yeah. of 7.4 and 3.4. I mean, looking at that, that's going to be right. a beast, the last way that they're it's going out there. It's a beast. Yeah. And obviously and a, well a big deserved day off afterwards. Okay. Yeah. So then we have a rest day, then a uh, second yeah. rest day, and then we have stage 16. Yeah. So now we get to, to sort of those traditional Alp stages right. that, that people know. So we start in La Tour de Pin. We, f we finish in Villard de Lens. Uh, and this is sort of the, um, it's the Grenoble area. This is the area, if you have viewers who are old enough to remember the 68 Olympics, this is where um, many of the ski area, ski activities were held. Uh, on the last climb, I think I have here, it's the Monte de Saint-Nizier-de-Moucherot. This is where, I, I did look that up. This is where the ski jumping was done in 68. So this is um, mm. very typical French Alpine. Okay, and what that typically means is, um, again, quite a bit cooler, quite a bit higher, although not as high as coming up in a, in a couple of stages, but sort of a very typical alpine stage where you have steep ups and more than that, super steep downs. <laughs> and those can be very tricky. And again, we're talking about September. So, right. you know, you get a little bit of moisture and cool temperatures. Those can be treacherous. Um. Valle Duran, I mean, that's that's your typical, I think that's been in the tour a bunch of times. So a bunch. Uh, very, very well known for what we have there. Uh, stage 17? Yeah. Uh, 17, as you can see from the profile, is basically the Col de Madeleine. <laughs> you know, that's yeah. what that's the famous Col. Yeah. So we come out of uh, Grenoble here, 
And again, we're getting into sort of area that's uh, known for Olympics. This time it's Alberville. Okay. So we're, right. we're heading. Sorry, I just make was sure that I have 92? This right what was that? When 92. Was Al- okay. Correct. Alberville. So Grenoble and Alberville are only about 45 minutes apart. And then once you get sort of out of Grenoble, yeah, you, you'll get to on your way to Alberville and then you turn south. And the region here, and I, I have it here, as I said, it's the Col de Madeleine and it's the Meribelle. And um, for those of you, for those of your listeners or watchers who are into skiing, the big ski resort here is called Courchevel, which is quite a, fa- right. it's like one of the biggest ski resorts in Europe. And these are all the little uh, mountains here. So I'll move on to the next stage because the next stage is brutal. Well, before you go, um, Courchevel, okay, how, how close is, is the, all this to um, Italy? So um, where they are is um, not as close as you can get. So this whole region is right along the Italian border. But um, this is sort of slightly more west than the traditional um, uh, other stages where you actually dip into Italy. So we're close. But you not. Know. Uh, you, you can be in Italy in a car in, in, in 45 minutes. But uh, we're not going to be near the Italian border on any of these climbs. Okay. If, right. I, if I have the map exactly correct. Yeah. You probably do. Uh, stage 18. Okay, 18. Meribel. So these are regions where I've, I've, I've spent a lot of time. And they are uh, spectacular, as you can imagine. Um, they are super steep, but more than anything else. And you can feel it even if you just visit. And I think the, the profile will, will bear this out. They are high. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I don't know what you are showing there for... for for Meribel as a as a height, I don't know um, if I wrote that the, down. The, the the height it looks like here you're getting as the the, the first climb uh, nineteen seventy eight. So just okay, under so two thousand meters. I mean, yeah, this is two thousand meters. This is a big difference from right. a climb that's at like a thousand meters. So right. so you're getting into the the real high altitude. And this is I think this is the most traditional of of the Alp stages. Three or four really big climbs, super high altitude, loads of opportunities for attacks. I mean, this is the this is the stage where you're you know you're taking your break on the downhill and you're making sure you watch every uphill because there's going to be attacks. So um, the the that, interesting that, there there yeah. is uh, the they start off immediately climbing, hit a cat one, yep. which is the cat one is the biggest climb of the day, and then there's right. a three or two. There's another one, but you're kind of already at a higher elevation because they start <laughs> under about <laughs> 500 meters up to 2,000 um, in the first 45k. Yeah. There you go. No, it goes up. And it's, uh, you know, it's, it's traditional roads in the, so, so these are very well maintained roads. Okay. That's not going to be a problem. S- S- September is actually uh, a better time than, than, um, than, than July. So the roads are good. They're, they're not as narrow as some of the roads behind Nice because these are, are, you know, Courchevel is such a big ski area that there's, there's a lot of infrastructure. The roads, I don't think we're going to be a huge issue in terms of their size, but yeah, you can see here on the map you just put up, we're just sort of starting to cluster around that area right, right near Geneva, Alberville, Grenoble. Yes. Okay. Uh, so yeah, anything else? I mean, what, no. what do you notice about, I mean, these are the two sort of, you know, if, if you look at the traditional way the Tour de France goes, this is where you're going to have some movement, I would, I would guess. Right. What I am noticing though, is you're not, you know, sometimes you see this, uh, near the end and it's, uh, all you see is like stage, uh, 17 as an example, you know, pitch up to the finish. Well, you're not, you're not seeing a ton of that. I mean, you, you, well, you're just not seeing necessarily the, all the mountaintop finishes. So that's, that's that's a little interesting to me. And I don't know, I'm trying, all of this, I'm always thinking of the, as I said, I think the designers um, definitely try to do certain things to help people. I don't know, is Pino helped with this or not? Possibly. I think, yeah, I think so. I mean, look, I mean, you said this at the beginning, the fact that there's not a real um, sort of traditional time trial, you know, there's a lot of guys who they wait to the time trial. Well, that's not going to happen because the one time trial that we have and that's coming up is relatively short and it's... (laughs) absolutely brutal at the right. end it's a massive climb at the right. end. so you know i i think this has been designed specifically for for a certain kind of person to win for sure right okay stage 19 stage 19 just traditional okay bourge en bresse it's just a a very a cute little town and it's just a basically running through the foothills of the jura to get to um you know the hometown of Tupino. that's basically the only reason why, why we have this yeah. So once again, some up and down stuff, nothing real big. Up and down. It's, it's foothills. Right. I mean, you know, 
it, it's, you know, you, you could see maybe a, a breakaway or something here, but in terms of the leaders, I think teams are going to be able to easily protect anyone. I think this is basically just a protection day to set up for the TT. Right, exactly. <laughs> and uh, an opportunist day for those others. Um, maybe yeah, too much for the sprinters. I don't know, but, um, you know, that'll be interesting. Uh, we'll and then boom, we have stage 20, leaving boom. it all to the end, uh, as they like to do. Uh, I, I'm a, I'm a fan actually of doing this, um, climbing time trial here. Uh, yeah. so, uh, looks like, I mean, look, to begin with, let's say you have just the people, uh, let's assume Roglic is fine as an example. And it's really right, between right. him, maybe, um, you know, Pino still in there, Bernal or something right. like this. I mean, this right. would to me favor a Roglic because he could steamroll right. that first section and he climbs right. just fine. But um, it doesn't um, mean that you can't lose everything in the in the climb as well from, you know, like uh, some other one, Pino, who might not be as, as strong or, or Bardet, you know, they'll still be able to um, kill it on the climb. So so can you tell me, I, I didn't write it down. So um, the, the planche is what? Is it about seven, seven kilometers, six, or is it less? Yeah. So it looks like uh, right about the 30, there's a time check there where they start to pitch up between 27.5 and 30K and it goes to what, 36K. So, okay, so you're looking okay. at the last, you know, okay. anywhere from six to so, 10. So the Planche de Belfi is, as you know, um, just brutal. I think it's up above 20%. It's a, it's a, so I'll, I'll indulge me here, the, the historian. So the history, I looked this up a couple of years ago, actually, but the history of this town. So during the 30 years war, there was a group of mercenaries who'd come in and they were attacking the villages around the Vosges mountains. So we're in the Vosges mountains. And I love that we're talking about this in the Vosges Mountains. Most people never heard of the Vosges Mountains. Uh, we're in the Vosges Mountains. So in the Thirty Years' War, the mercenaries come, and a group of the the women from this local town, it's called something else. They flee up the mountains because they're afraid of being raped and killed Pillaged and whatever. And, yeah, pillaged. You know all the all the traditional things. I've and seen I think three amigos. Course, I know. Yeah, and I think of course they were Vikings because that's what Vikings do. The Vikings were going to rape and pillage, so they they raced up the mountain. Uh, the mercenaries find out they're there. They chase after them. And then according to the legend, rather than surrender or succumb to these mercenaries, they plunge themselves off a cliff and, and into a lake and kill themselves. According to the story, there's a young Frenchman there who sees this happen. He's a, he's a member of the army. And he takes this big piece of wood that he finds and he carves in it, belle fille, beautiful women. And that is the story of Planche de Belle fille. So you can thank me for that forever and ever. I, 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 I would say I like it, and it's kind of a sad story if you really think about it. That they're, it's they're, an incredibly sad story, and here we're celebrating it in the penultimate stage. Of right, the tour. And, and maybe, I don't know, is that an omen of what, you know, so I bet some people are going to end up plunging themselves off uh, yeah, of a be. cliff there as well. Um, I don't, you know, so last year when the stage six, when they had this up to the top there, I, I know they had had it a few years before in the tour as well, but they had, they had not gone uh, as far as they did last year. Last year, they went over some gravel and did another hard right. pitch to the top. I'm not sure if this goes all the way to the top. So, if it does, so then that's I, the gravel. Right. I, you know, I read that they weren't going to the top, but okay. then I read somewhere else that it was going to stop. I, so I don't know. Um, my guess is if it's a time trial, they'll probably stop it, won't they? Would they go? I, I don't know. It's a climbing time trial. So they're not necessarily, you're not going to yeah. be having, you know, oh, if anything, true. they may be swapping bikes out there that's true. at the, the time check, you know, and they're yeah. 27 or so kilometers. So I, I don't know. Um, and then we'll you, what do you know about this place called Paris? <laughs> oh, nothing. nothing. Just my, my cup, which has the Metro of Paris. There we go. Wait, hang on. No, hang on. Spent a long time in go back yeah. to show it, show it again on a little bit closer. There you go. Okay. So see. Okay. Okay. So there's Madeleine Concord. In fact, if I go this way, it should get to the Champs-Élysées somewhere. Well, I can't figure it out, but anyway, that's why I'm having my coffee this afternoon. <clears throat> I see your Mercantone uh, Uno bottle in the background there and a KOM yeah, hat. Old so. school, yeah. So this is actually one of the hats, you know, you, you know, if any of your viewers have been to the tour, um, there's a huge carnival that goes ahead of the tour. It's a parade right. of, of just basically sponsors throwing out free stuff. And that's one of the hats from <clears throat> a uh, grocery store called Carrefour. Yeah. You see them and all over the place uh, advertising. Do you think the caravans are going to be a part of the tour so this year? I've heard that they are. Okay. I've heard that they are, but not nearly to the same level because they don't want as many fans. But, you know, this is interesting. How do you, how do you stop people from just going to the side of the road? Right. I, I don't know how you do that. I mean, I can I can see how you won't have the big uh, 
crowds at the finish. You know, you can you can monitor that. <clears throat> but out on the countryside, I don't see how you stop people from doing it. And my guess is they won't. Well, They'll just have smaller, smaller numbers at the finishing stage. This goes all the way back to our original part of conversation of security yep. and, and, you know, the, right. the terrorist stuff. We had talked about this before about what do you do? It's it's open. It's open to the public. It's also the it's problem open. with the economics of cycling and not being able to charge admission tickets, blah, blah, blah. Um, but, you know, if you watch the Dauphiné or any of these other previous yep. races, you know, people are um, spread out a little bit more on the climbs. I yeah. think they're 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 concerned about the riders and uh, you know the problem you're going to see is if it's this two strike thing with riders you know it goes back to uh, Greg LeMond Bernardino in the 86 tour Greg's been told right. watch your food watch your bike yep. um, you know tax in the road for the Giro I think yep. it happened I mean this you know stuff I think that was you know had had tax thrown or, or, or yep. maybe Eddie Merckx too Eddie Merckx got punched in the kidney I think it was a 74 tour really? had to drop out he was in the yellow jersey you know, this yeah, stuff no, happens. So yeah, we'll see. Yeah, there's no problem with fans out. I mean, I, I, I've I've been able to go to a stage both at a finish and a start and out in the middle of the country. Not in the middle of the country, you can literally be there with just your family and there's nobody right. else around. But so you throw, you throw a little COVID at these people, it might uh, take them out. Yeah, or cough. <laughs> right. So um, what, tell, tell us about the, they're going to have to transport up to the start. It's probably not as far this time from where they're at because they're, they're a little closer to Paris than maybe yeah, sometimes. Like they're, they're, uh, my guess is that's a, I mean, I don't know if they're going to do trains. I mean, again, th this gets into security. Are, is the tour providing trains and planes that are, you know, I noticed that the transfer <clears throat> uh, after the Pyrenees, it, it shows a plane. Right. And normally when it doesn't show anything, it's typically a train. So I don't know if they've, you know, rented out. Well, they've done high, high speed it. trains before going, getting yeah. to Paris. I don't know the plane. It looks like a plane there. This actually doesn't show the plane on the top transport. Good call. Right. So that maybe typically that means, uh, if, is, yeah. it, is there a high speed I mean, train available there? Oh, tons. Yeah. Okay. From there, it's easy. Absolutely okay. easy. It's, it's, uh, it's two hours. Okay. So <clears throat> two in, hours, no problem. in that, in that case, so, um, what do you know about the start town? Anything? Nothing, absolutely nothing about the start town, uh, Mont La Jolie. But you know, obviously, the the cobblestones of the Champs Elysees are are uh, really really interesting. So, so the one thing for people who are maybe watching for the first time uh, or, or 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 really taking interest, <clears throat> be aware that on the Champs Elysees, one direction is very clearly slightly downhill, and one direction is very clearly slightly uphill, and that makes a huge difference. You'll notice that most of the attacks come when you're going toward the arch. If that makes sense, <clears throat> because yeah, that's they do where a turn, a 180 usually at the top. Is that correct? <clears throat> they do a 180 at the arch and they go down and go around the uh, Place de Concorde under a tunnel. But um, going up towards that arch, it's ever so slightly uphill. And, um, you know, the cobbles, um, you know, this isn't, you know, Perry Roubaix cobbles. But I mean, ju just watch, especially those slow motions. You know, it's taxing. It, I, I think uh, a lot of, times I think that the Champs-Élysées stage is slightly, un it's even underrated uh, how hard it is to sort of attack, how hard it is to catch somebody because it's brutal on your body. The only part that's not really um, hard or brutal in terms of the, um, the, the the cobbles is right where the start finish is and around the Place de la Concorde where you come around that famous, you come around the, the circle and then you right. go right up to the finish. Uh, but it, all the rest of it, it's, it's tough. Do you enjoy that last stage at all? So I've only, you mean watching it? Just, yeah. I mean, how else okay, would so, you, have you ridden it? No, <laughs> have you ridden no, that last stage? Maybe. Yes, yes. No, I mean in the no, tour. How do you, no. like, so, for instance, so I, do, I don't, I don't enjoy watching it that much because totally it's so it. annoying. And and so I actually enjoyed, uh, you know, some of the other tours have done this too, where it's a time trial the last day, obviously 89 right. tour uh, has done this, but you know, the right. Vuelta and right, the right. Giro making it exciting on the last day. And this one, it, it always bores me when it finishes so, like this. So, um, I, I, saw it once live and it's uh you know it's you know a lot of cycling is just it goes and that's over right. at least you get several right. times but it you know it's it's 25 minutes between yeah between or, or 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 more um but you know like i always say anytime you can experience something before watching it or whatever you're going to have a slightly different perspective so sure one of the years we were there they had this opportunity in the morning for cyclists to go just do one lap of, of the Champs-Élysées and there were, and I'm not kidding. There were 10,000 cyclists. Oh yeah, I bet. Okay. And we all got a yellow shirt and that's, you know, it, that's when you realize, okay, that's really uphill a little bit. Yeah. 
So seeing that, it makes, obviously it makes me like it even more and having spent time there, but I'm like you, it's not my favorite stage to watch. I only say that because, until they enter, um, you know, Paris. And then of course it's, I enjoy it. Oh, then it's, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And even the first couple few laps though, sometimes I'm like, you know, do something else and I'll come right. back for the last couple of laps. <laughs> right, but right. Um, it's so iconic, um, you know, with all, with, 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 with all the people that pack in there. And, and the one time I was able to, so I was, literally in Paris for um, Lance's fifth. Okay. So that whatever year that was. <clears throat> and of course, you know, by then Lance was, I mean, obviously, I mean, it was, it was 10 deep, 10 deep along the entire, I mean, I, I've never seen so many people. Yeah. And so obviously it's not going to be that way this time, but you know, it's, it's still a spectacular event. So did you have any, did you have any suspicion that he was cheating at that time? Oh yeah. I knew from the start, Tyler. <laughs> Didn't it's, you know from, it's always great. From the it's just like everything else, you know, in, in life and everything where it's so easy to judge, um, you know, we're just having a conversation, totally sidebar, but you know, you mentioned history so, and stuff, you know, like world war two is always so easy because it's the definitive bad guy against the definitive yep. good guy. Um, yep. but you know, being in it at the time is always much different. So yes, I mean, I was so pulling for Lance, you don't know. I mean, the, the answer to, is, is obviously the exact opposite of what I said. Right, right. Okay. I was, a, I was an American. So this was before I moved to France. Okay. We had, we were there for uh, a, a couple of weeks. I, I, I was thrilled. I was wearing everything that had an American flag on. I wanted everybody to know that Lance and I, and I, I mean, I, you know, I'd run into cafes and bars looking for the updates and I'd be cheering. I mean, yeah, of course, of course. I was, I mean, we all were sucked in. I mean, it, it was, I was thrilled beyond belief when he won. Um, any, any, before we go here, any yeah. news from France? You just were back over there. You've moved back. Yeah. Are you guys, are you closed down for good now, okay. except for being a visitor? So, um, so I've just moved back. Uh, I'm now back in uh, Washington, D.C. area. So um, I left in January before all this happened. Uh, my wife and kids stayed. They came back when COVID came just because we weren't sure what's going to happen. And then we needed to go back to, to sort of finish up packing. We would not have been able to do that if we didn't have um, a, a, a long-term work permit because gotcha. Americans have been banned. So my twins, who are adult age, they they didn't they weren't able to come with us. I will say that France is. <clears throat> um, when we were there, you know, you, you, people wearing masks in stores, it's mandated. But I think it's much more back to business there. But of course, things are starting to tick up now. I mean, we're right. starting to see maybe a second wave in Europe. Um, it's funny because most of what I think about when I think about France now is I'm thinking about things like the tour. Right. Um, it looks like it's going to go because there was a concern I would say about a month ago where there was a real tick in Spain and France. And I think it's come down. So, you know, I'm, I'm hoping everything's fine, but um, you know, as with everything, we're not sure really what's going on half the time. Right. Any news over there about uh, their concern with this? I mean, are you following along with locally still? Oh, uh, and the Dauphiné yeah. went off and it looked like, you know, they're, we're doing okay as far as I, we don't, it's, it appears that, you know, the protocols in place that are, are working. So. No, I think um, from, from people who I've, so, so let me just say, say, say one thing about how, about how the French responded. So my, my wife was there. So, you know, we all had shutdowns. The French shutdown, though, was, I mean, it's a shutdown. Yeah. So for about a six-week period in France, if you were out of your house, you had to have a piece of paper saying where you were going and why. And if you couldn't produce it, and I have friends who had this happen, you were given a ticket. Okay, the first ticket is 135 euros. Okay, the second is 1,000. Okay, so it was like Yeah, they were staying back. Down. And you, you, we all know what happened in Italy with the horror. And it was the same sort of thing. Once they came out of that, there was a sort of sense of relief. But I don't know if there's this sense like, okay, we can't do that again. I don't want that to happen again. So I think there's this carefulness there that that has helped maintain the levels. Uh, obviously, it's easier to have a national policy in France than in the United States. France right. is a lot smaller. I totally get that. And so that's one of the huge advantages these European countries have. Their problem is making sure all the countries are doing the same thing. But, you know, for now, I think there's a there's a healthy optimism. Um, as far as I know, schools are going back in session. Uh, the school where I used to teach starts on Monday, not this, not, not well, on the 31st, if, whenever you're listening to this. And uh, as of now, they're going back. So should be okay for the tour. Hope so. 
Okay, good, good. Um, any predictions um, that you would have? And you, you say, eh, maybe I don't have any. Uh, what do you so, want to see happen? And then what do you think is going to happen for any of this? So, and have you been paying so, attention to bike racing? <laughs> so that's an excellent question. As, as we said, as we were talking before, I haven't been following as much as I normally would because obviously there hasn't been anything going right. on. I haven't been, I haven't been as up to date with the new, you know, the, the things that have been happening over the last couple of weeks. Um, so. I've had for a long time, as someone who's lived in France, I have this love-hate relationship with the French. I love them, and then sometimes I hate them. So um, personally, I would love to see a French winner. Now, it would depend on which French winner. Which one, right. Uh, yeah, and, and, and you know, there are some that I like more than others. There are some who have reputations that are uh, sort of different. There's a lot of the sort of Dutch writers I like too, but um, I would love to see a French winner at some point, just because, as you said, the open, it's been since, you know, I mean, it's, it's incredible, actually, if you think about it. Yes. And by the way, I think it's not just, I believe it's since, you know, they've had a Grand Tour winner. Am I right on that? Or is it, or am I wrong? No, I, I'm, I, I think who it's else not would just, it, who else else would it be? Yeah. I think it is any Grand Tour since 1985 or six, whatever it was. 85. And that's, yeah. 85. And that's stunning. It is. Um, you know, Fignon might have won the Giro um, between okay. them. I'm pretty sure he did. You might actually. be right. Yeah. Okay. So, but still, one. Yeah. And there's a lot of there's there's been a lot of uh, uh, riders that have been coming up over the last years. A lot of them have sort of not quite <clears throat> reached that level that maybe they were hoping. And and we'll see if this is you. I thought the Alaphilippe thing was a. I was surprised by that. Yeah. And, and I know a lot of well, okay, were you as well? Um, I, mean, I was surprised. I, uh, not in, in one sense, uh, I, I was just telling you before we started recording this, I'm going to do a writer uh, preview show right. with uh, Mike Sayers, who, um, former pro, uh, <clears throat> DS for uh, BMC and uh, works for USA Cycling. And he told me beforehand, he's like, no, 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 uh, Alaphilippe has the, the ability to be this kind of person uh, long term. And then this happens okay. and you're like, eh, and then, you know, he's still, uh, he ended up, yeah. now he's gone in on record forcefully saying, I'm not at all trying to do that this year. So, okay. Eh. Yeah, I was I, I still kind of was somewhat again, I, surprised. You're right. Yeah, I was too. Um, someone like Thibaut, obviously, you know, there, there's, there's, there's guys who I've sort of been pulling for in the past. Um, you know, not guys I thought could win, but, you know, I used to love like Warren Bargill had this great couple of years and he, right. he has this interesting personality for the French people and they like him, but you know, so I'd, I'd love to see someone from France win. Um, but I'm not sure. Who? <laughs> I, I have a, I, I like, there's three guys I do like, um, uh, Thibaut Pinot, Roman Bardet, and Guillaume Martin. I'd like all three mm. of those. They seem to ride well. I don't really get the, the bitchiness that you kind of, from an American perspective of some of those. And I, I think Alaphilippe is, is like that too. I just, he rides for Duquan a quick step. I can't yeah. like that. Uh, so. Well, that's true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's true. Um, okay. So um, if you're going to pick someone, you want to just throw it out a, a name and, and we'll see if it, uh, if it works yeah. in for you. Roman Bardet. Okay. Roman Bardet. There you go. Yeah. Just slight, it's just a slight curve there. I'm not going to take the favorite. Okay. No, I, I, I think Roman Bardet, you know, look la last few years, um, yeah. you know, without the time trials, he yeah. probably and, has, exactly. a, has a great chance. So then you have it this time without the time trials. Um, there you go. I'm not, I'm going to reserve and make my picks when we do the, uh, the other, actually I'm going for yeah. Roglic. I mean, I, I just think he's going to win. So it's going to be between I mean, him yeah. and, and, uh, again, Bernal, but as far as top French rider, um, I think Pino has it. I don't think mentally he mm -hmm. has it. And I think that's why they put it. You saw the Daphne where he got put in, he's in first place going into the last day because Roglic yeah. pulls out and mentally he can't handle no. it. He doesn't have the team to handle it. And you almost have to wait till the very last day of the tour to throw him out there in a time trial where he doesn't have to rely on anything else, but just this little climb that's in his hometown. And maybe that's where point, he's going to do. So at some point, not for now, but maybe with the, one of the, your writer profile, I mean, th there is the issue of the French teams that needs to be discussed. I think not just the French writers. I mean, sometimes the teams to me just fail at the most critical moments well there's a lot of infighting too so there's sometimes they're they're chasing well, each other for, down yeah for, and, yeah exactly and you uh martin as a, an example he rides for cofidis well they haven't done jack in the last you know no. 20 years or so no. so so nothing there okay uh, any any last closing remarks about the route no. any uh thing that you want to say before we uh head out no, i don't know um so no, I, I, nothing really to say, except it, what I always say, and it, you know, the, the, the French do a great job with this, whether it's uh, and through their television uh, 
partners. Um, enjoy the enjoy the visuals. I mean, that's it's one of my favorite things about about the Tour de France. I often say that there may be countries that are as pretty as France, but I can't imagine one that is prettier than France. It's absolutely stunning, and they do a terrific job of showing off the French. They're good at that. No, it. And you're, so you're right. my favorite thing, and I guess personally, as someone who <clears throat> has been to a lot of the areas just for this particular tour i'm just so looking forward to seeing the places where i've you know driven in a car and i kind of have a feel for what it's like i I can't wait right right well hang on i'm going to close this out um thank you everybody appreciate you um everyone joining in i hope you enjoyed the route preview jonathan especially you thanks for um being a part of this and uh, showing it to everybody uh between two wheels podcast check us out for um, everything else you and, and I'm messing up everything here today. You know, I'm, I'm right. preparing for a trial tomorrow and, um, that's yeah, just, you told me that. I'm, I've got to get back. I, I got to get back to more work, important. back to work between two of podcasts. Check us out. Um, everywhere podcasts are shown. This is episode 189, Jonathan Scriven. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Thank Take you, care, guys. everybody. Bye-bye.